Mostly nights. Tonight was New Year's Eve, but Yak didn't mind. Night was good. The front door was opening. He took a deep breath, as he'd been taught by his therapist. He didn't really like passengers getting into his taxi, except ones with nice shoes. They were coming out now. The man was tall and slim, wearing a tuxedo with a bow tie. She had a furry-looking jacket on, red hair all done nicely. But he was looking at her shoes. Black suede high heels with glinting metal around the edges of the soles. Good evening, the man said. Metropole Hotel, please. Nice shoes, Yak said to the woman by way of reply. Jimmy Chu, uh uh-huh. She squealed in delight. Yes! You're right, they are. He recognized her intoxicating scent, too, but said nothing. Oscar de la Renta intrusion. He liked it. Do you have high-flush or low-flush toilets in your house? He asked. The man glanced at the woman, raised his eyebrows and said, Low-flush. Why? How many toilets do you have? I bet you've got a lot. We have enough, the man said. I can tell you where there's a good example of a high-flush toilet. It's in Worthing. I could take you there to see it if you're interested. Hope rose in Yak's voice. No, thank you. They're not my thing. Yak watched in the mirror, catching the woman's eyes. You're a size five, aren't you? In shoes? Yes. How did you know? I can tell. I can always tell. Uh Uh-huh. That's very clever, she said. Yak fell silent. He was probably talking too much. The guy who owned the taxi told him there'd been complaints about him talking too much. Yak didn't want to lose his job, so he kept quiet. He thought about the woman's shoes, as he headed down to the Brighton seafront and turned left. At the Metropole Hotel, the meter showed £9.20. The man gave him £10 and told him to keep the change. Yak watched them walk into the hotel, watched the Jimmy Choo shoes disappearing through the revolving door. Nice shoes. He felt excited. Excited about the night ahead. There would be so many more shoes. Special shoes, for a very special night. Detective Superintendent Roy Grace stared out of his office window into the dark night. New Year's Eve. He checked his watch. 6.15. Every New Year's Eve he promised himself that he would deal with all his paperwork and start the next year with a clean slate, and he always failed. He'd be coming back in tomorrow to yet another hopeless mess. All the Crown Prosecution files of the cases he'd investigated during this past year were stacked on the floor. Next to them were tower blocks of blue cardboard boxes and green plastic crates crammed with unresolved cases. Roy Grace cared about his cold cases very much, but he'd been unable to dedicate much time to these files because it had been a busy year. Perhaps next year would be better. A new Assistant Chief Constable Peter Rigg was starting on Monday. Also starting on Monday was a brand new cold case team, 
of three former senior detectives under his command. Most important of all, his beloved Cleo was due to give birth to their child in June. And sometime before then, they'd be getting married, so long as the one obstacle standing in their way could be removed. His wife, Sandy. She'd disappeared nine and a half years ago, and despite all his efforts, no word had been heard from her since. He didn't know whether she'd been abducted or murdered, or had run off with a lover, or had had an accident, or had simply faked her disappearance. Until his relationship with Cleo Morey had begun, Roy had spent almost all of his free time in a fruitless quest to discover what had happened to Sandy. Now he'd engaged a solicitor to have her declared legally dead. Sandy used to hate New Year's Eve. With Sandy, he'd come to view the advent of New Year's Eve with decreasing enthusiasm. But now, with Cleo, he was looking forward to it hugely.